Hello and welcome to Writer's Block Podcast. This episode brought to you by Dog Shampoo. They're all the same. I gotta hand it to you, Blockheads. You are a patient bunch, and I appreciate that. I know I said I'd post this episode earlier than this, and then I kept changing that. Blah. Something about being sick for three days and having a three-year-old who wakes you up every morning at five o'clock can really put the brakes on the pursuit of creative whims, aka podcasts. But we're finally up, and it's another fun one. It's part two of Pilot Season Reviews with my guests, Emmy-winning Daily Show writers Hallie Haglin and Dan McCoy. We begin by finding out what Hallie and Dan's current favorite sitcoms are and why, as well as the sitcoms that influenced them before they had any idea of their terrible, terrible fate as professional comedy writers. Keep in mind, this episode is about the premieres of the shows we're talking about, and just the premieres. One show in particular that we all liked but didn't necessarily love turned the corner fast into Funny Town, and I, for one, was delighted to see it. Check out WBP episode 24 to find out why. And another show we talked about got canceled immediately. Like, immediately. I don't think there was a number two. It was We Are Men. So in the interest of time, I took that review out because who gives a shit? It's gone. But in a nutshell, I kind of liked it. And Hallie and Dan didn't. Apparently, they were right. The following are opinions, based on limited exposure to the product, but extended exposure to the genre. You got a problem with the problems we got? Let me know about it on Twitter, at WritersBlockPod, or send an email to WritersBlockPodcast at gmail.com. The G is for Google. One last note, we taped this in my office at work, which fortunately has air conditioning, but unfortunately has very loud air conditioning. It pops on and off throughout the episode, but hopefully any distraction is outweighed by the solace I'm sure you take in knowing that we were personally very comfortable. This is episode 26 with my guests Hallie Haglin and Dan McCoy. I'm your host, J.R. Haglin. You're part of the writer's blog now. Good choice. Uh, I just, you know, I mean, it's not so much that I'm thirsty, I just enjoy the pampering. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit of that. Are you, con- do you have to go to the bathroom? You should go now, we're going to be fine. in the car for a while. Okay. I'm, I'm good, I think. I just want to do more. Oh, that's nice. All right. Just be. Go good. <laughs> we'll keep us those updated. Are the, those are the kind of details you can count on tonight, everybody. Uh, so before we get started with our truthful and honest opinions, right? Yeah. Uh, which are entirely our own and in no way reflect the opinions of the portion of the American viewing public that disagrees with us. I would like to acknowledge that although I might not particularly like some of these shows we're about to talk about, and I clearly didn't like some of the shows we talked about last week, there is no question that it is a major feat getting a sitcom on the air. Am I wrong about that? I like this disclaimer. Yeah, you're right. I'm, well, it's a little bit of one because I was listening the other week and I was like, you know, well, we're kind of shitting on some of them. and yeah. and, no, and I you know... know as someone who does a they don't like them, but bad movie podcast, I'm terrified. I'm like, am I pre-burning all of my Hollywood bridges? No, but you know, it's because like I don't know how. <laughs> not totally concerned about uh, too many of the people who are showrunners sitting down and listening. But what I'm driving at is that it's uh, uh, you know getting it on the air is difficult. It's an accomplishment I do not have on my own resume. So kudos to the creators and producers and writers of all these shows for even making it to the point where I can sit in distant judgment like some all-knowing guru of televised entertainment, which I may or may not be. Anywho, joining me this week for round two in my quest to reward excellence. That's what we're doing here, yeah. right? We're yeah. rewarding excellence. Yeah. That's the Positive focus. Positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement works every time. Fellow Daily Show writers and founding members of the internationally renowned improv group Mixed Nuts. <laughs> Hallie Haglin and Dan McCoy. Hallie Haglin and Dan McCoy, everybody. Come on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Listen to the good. Going crazy. I presume that everyone listening to this is applauding. Yeah, probably. Just out of habit. If Charlotte was here, she'd be barking like crazy. (laughs) That's my dog who barks when you applaud. It's a very terrible thing. Um, Dan, as he mentioned before, 
along with fellow writer Elliot Kalin and uh, fellow human being Stuart Wellington, um, <laughs> whose name I remembered better than he does yeah. most of the time, is uh, the, also the host of the Flophouse podcast, one of my favorite podcasts outside of the writer's block that I can think of. Uh, one of the only ones that I listen to consistently because it's hilarious and fun Thanks. to listen to. Uh, tonight we'll be discussing Parks and Rec, The Crazy Ones, The Michael J. Fox Show, Bob's Burgers, Eastbound and Down, the list goes on. Hello, ladies. Super fun night. But first, your current favorite sitcom and uh, uh, why? Hallie. Uh, I, was, I would say that uh, the Mindy Project there you is go. my favorite current sitcom on the air right now. I think... I don't know. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Mindy Kaling when she was on The Office, but I think that she, it's like such. You a, mean her character? Her character. Yeah. yeah. I, I I hadn't learned very much about her humor apart from that. I knew people that knew her and just loved her. I didn't know her. I felt the same way about uh, uh, Kelly Kapoor, that I was like, uh, you know, but she's a, it's an annoying character, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, um, but yeah, and then she goes over and does her thing, so. And I think it's, I, I just think it's so funny. I think she just, like, a problem that I ran into, ran into a lot with these sitcoms was that so many characters were just, like, caricatures, and at least that that's what she definitely doesn't do on her show. Like, it's, it's a really, you know, uh, complicated, sort of annoying, interesting woman that's dealing with sort of these typical issues of women at her age with a, with good careers, but it's not cliched at all. It just makes me laugh a lot, too. It doesn't need to be for political reasons that I enjoy this <laughs> strong female character. I think that's what it is. <laughs> no. You pick the... Uh, I just... <laughs> This thing's really fucking funny. <laughs> oh, hey, go easy on the funny oh, word. Sorry. Salty Kids talk. To this. Yeah, with the sorry. saltiest of talks. Uh, and uh, Dan, what about you? Uh, I, I'm gonna go with two, and they're actually two that we covered. Although I don't necessarily think that in either case we saw the strongest episodes. Uh, but I really like Parks and Recreation right now, and I really like Bob's Burgers. And Parks and Re Recreation. A lot of people have talked about this already. Uh, if you read a lot about television, but I think it's an interesting show in that. Everyone on it is very nice for the most part. Uh, I mean, you mean the like, characters? Yeah, all the characters. Like, you know, April arguably is like sort of cynical, but she's very sweet. And and there, it's about a show where everyone gets yeah, along. Yeah, nobody's a dick. Yeah, and you usually don't see that. You usually, like, it seems to be like, oh, we have to have conflict to make the comedy work. But it's a show where everyone's sort of friends with each other, and so much of the comedy comes out of just getting to know the characters so well over time. And it's it's not. You know, you laugh at things, you're like, oh, that is exactly what Ron would do. Like, as much as, because it's... so wrong. Exactly. So Ron, then, yeah. It's enough we should all start working on right now. <laughs> Which is not to say the jokes aren't great, but you also just appreciate that the characters are understood so thoroughly uh, that I think it's funny. And then Bob's Burgers, I, I don't, there's something about the, like, the rhythm of that show that I really like. Like, as I understand it, that's one of the few animated shows where they're actually all in a room together when they're doing the voiceover stuff. And it has this very natural flow to the, the like, I think that there's some of it that's semi-improvised sometimes uh, back and forth. Um, I've been a fan of, like, uh, H. John Benjamin since, like, uh, Dr. Katz. And I think he's just got such a wry delivery that, like, he's super funny. But they've gotten, you know, obviously, like, Kristen Scholl and Eugene Merman, like they're doing, Dan Mintz, they're all doing such great voice work. Yeah, I just think it's a great show. It's a, um, you can learn more about uh, Bob's Burgers actually on uh, the Scott Jacobson episode. Did you know Scott? Uh, he predated me. And he predated you and he dated you. <laughs> yeah. I was not going to make that show. But it, it was in done. my head. It's sitting right there. I, mean, <laughs> I was hoping to actually get to that before you did. Because I would find that less embarrassing. <laughs> so, um, but that's, uh, uh, I can't remember the, the number of that episode, but Jacobson's a good episode uh, to listen to to uh, learn a bit more about uh, uh, about how they put uh, Bob's Burgers together. And one of the fun things in there was that Mintz came on to play a, a girl actually right yeah right and then <laughs> and then they just told them and they said well, we're gonna make that a guy oh no no wait i'm sorry a, he a plays guy. tina yeah yeah so he came on to play a guy and they said we're gonna make tina a girl but just use your same <laughs> don't change anything so you'd be like all right <laughs> yeah no really it works so well um 
And what about quickly just uh, uh, influences from the past? You know, uh, uh, Hallie, you're um, considerably younger than me. How old are you? Thirty-one. Thirty-one. He's just trying to embarrass yeah. Allie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> No, no, I'm not embarrassed. Do you want to know how much I weigh, too, Shy? I, I already know because I made you do it before you came into my office. That's how I roll here. There's a, there's a yeah. weigh plate yeah. hidden under the linoleum. You made it in. Don't worry about it. You're on the podcast. I'm 35, so I'm a little older. Yeah, okay. So, um, uh, which is not to say that you haven't seen I Love Lucy. <laughs> but, um, but there were, but, you know... What did you What did you find yourself watching, like when you were growing up, or in you know when, when you started realizing you might want to do this? And what kind of shows do you feel like really influenced you to, you know, uh, become a comedy writer? If those were the shows that did that. Well, in terms of sitcoms, I definitely feel like obviously Seinfeld. Like my whole family would watch it together, and that was a big one. I, Roseanne was. A I love big the one. idea of your family sitting around watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that a show exists that any any family could do that is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the few. We did that with Cheers too. Oh, I remember I, as like a pretty young person, I taped uh, the finale of Cheers and I watched it over and over again and like cried at the end of it. Bob Costas did like a big pre-show. <laughs> I remember watching the pre-show over and over again. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I was gonna say that as, as classic sitcoms go, like classic format sitcoms go, Cheers is probably the one that I think is. Just you can't mess with that. That's about as good as it gets. That's and I a Cheers watch too coming soon. Okay, is that a project you're working on? Yeah, it's another one that I'm working on. I've got a couple of projects in the works. <laughs> they're just really building on other ideas. Building <laughs> mostly. Ideas. They're basically other people's ideas. Uh, I really like. I mean, I think that anyone our age probably. It's. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, it's hard not to be influenced by The Simpsons. That's that was a big one for me. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I wasn't so much a Seinfeld guy. I like, uh, I don't like thinking about like classic like the Thursday night lineup. I re- remember now like really liking the silliness of Night Court. Oh, I love Night Court. Like yeah. how crazy that show could get. Yeah, Night Court was great. During a time that I feel like now shows get that crazy a lot more often, but it was I like different. The, I like that. I like the the first mention of Night Court on, <laughs> on Writer's Block. Yeah, to Dan McCoy. Yeah. Well, also now that I'm like older, like I remember I saw that when I was a kid. And I didn't kind of realize, like, oh, everyone who's coming through night court are drug addicts yeah, and prostitutes. prostitutes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, what a, what a cuckoo punch. Yeah, they somehow covered that up. I wonder if it was really part of the pitch. Anyway, and then other people come in because they're just, it's a night court, so it's a crazy character. Don't worry about that so much. We've got a whole list of them. Anyway, so what do you think? And uh, this guy, he's on board. He's a magician. He does yeah. some good work. Uh, we can have him. He loves Moel Torme. <laughs> it's just a little quirk. There's One of our little quirks, and there's going to be prostitution. <laughs> anyway, and dragon X. Anyway, Let me tell you about Quan Lee. She is. <laughs> All right, this is Pilot Season Reviews Part 2 on Writer's Block Podcast. My guests are Daily Show writers Hallie Haglin and Dan McCoy. Let's start with Parks and Rec, one of your favorites, um, starring Amy Poehler and everybody else in this amazing cast. Nick Offerman, you mentioned as Ron Swanson, who is my favorite character on television. Yeah. So this is uh, uh, created by Greg Daniels King, uh, from King of the Hill, Mike Shore from The Office. Uh, we all know what the show is about. Hallie, your thoughts on the premiere episode that they put together? Uh, I thought it was enjoyable to watch. I don't think I'm uh, as huge of a fan of Parks and Recreation the most than Present Company. Yeah, I really, I, it's it's one of my favorite shows. I, I think it's just so consistently good. I really do. I always find it like pretty like enjoyable to watch and uh i do like the fact that they're all nice to each other and i like i often walk away especially in this pilot with the the moments that were really sweet sticking out for me like you know uh leslie arranging ron's trip at the end and the letter that april wrote for leslie and but i don't walk away like with the joke so much but i i don't watch it as much as you guys do so i've i found it like 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 sweet and pleasant yeah. to watch, but like I think that this is an argument that I've had with people who aren't as into it, which is that I do think that because it's so character based, like you're just gonna enjoy it more the more you watch it. And if you dip in once in a while, like maybe you're not gonna be like walking away like, oh, that line is so great. I mean, but that's a hard argument to make with people like like that. Oh, you have to keep watching this to like it. <laughs> like, yeah, like it. Like 
If you, I, I agree that uh, that a lot of the lines are like on paper they might not be as funny as some other show, but from these characters and with their backgrounds and stuff and the way that they work up with each other, I think it works really well. I think as far as like nobody's mean, I think at the beginning I feel like you know Aziz, Tom Haverford right. was like kind of the mean guy in the office. He always was, but. It was interesting when they softened him up, getting you know finally trying to like straighten out his life and stuff. But uh, um, yeah, they they can sometimes be a little heavy with the sweetness. But what I like about them that's different than some other shows that do the sweetness is they do it funnier than other shows. Because a lot of shows do that. Like Modern Family takes a lot of those sweet moments and they're nice moments and they're real and and sometimes they're funny, but a lot of times they're just kind of like going for the sweetness and getting a message out there. And uh, um, and I feel like. Parks and Rec goes out of their way more than some of these other shows to try to make those moments to include like some comedy in there as well, and they I, do I it really well. Yeah, it seems like it's a lot more self-aware than when other shows try to do it. You know, there's right, like right, a, right. There's like a wink to like we know how like or the characters themselves are embarrassed by the like the uh, tenderness of something in particular. Like uh, I, I find it like self-aware and not annoying at all. Yeah, and just like at Aubrey Plaza re- reading that letter, just watching her struggle through yeah. having to be sweet is really funny, <laughs> funny if you know that that's her character the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And to the end of like lines not necessarily being funny if they weren't said by these characters, the, the line that I wrote down to like remind myself of the thing that I really found funny in that episode was uh, there's a point when uh, this crazy old lady who wants like snails out of her y- yard is coming home. And she's like, who, who are you? And like, there's like, I'm like, I'm Leslie Nope. I, you talked to me about the snails. And then April goes, and I'm Odie, the dog. Yeah. Garfield's enemy. <laughs> and it's such a strange line. Like, but she oh. does that shit all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, it doesn't, but that's another thing that kind of like adds to how, the, how funny that is. If you watch a show all the time, you've seen her do these kind of lines. She always just kind of wants to make, not, you're not making like, you uncomfortable. Throw just, sand yeah. in the gears a little bit. <laughs> yeah, completely. Right, and this, I mean, I think this speaks to probably what we're going to get into with, like, uh, the pilots. Why, you said this last time, like, pilots for comedies are always so iffy, because comedy only really gets cooking once you know who these people are. And if you have to introduce people and then make jokes off of that in one episode, it's Mm -hmm. tough. That's what Super Fun Night is. It was the second episode of the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that they said that. Yeah, I I forgot about that. But everyone seemed... It seemed like a lot of the criticism was like, oh, it it was rocky because it it was actually supposed to be the second show. And... I, but I, I didn't think that there was any that need to know yeah. anything no, more about know. these characters. Yeah, actually, that, and that's a, that's a really good example of if you watch that show, like, um, one criticism that I did not have was heavy-handed introduction of the characters. Yeah. But I had forgotten that it was the second episode. I, I read about that, but I forgot about it. But I was not confused by who was who no. and what they did. I was <laughs> not at all for a second. Yeah. Like, oh, who are these people? Why <laughs> are you on my it. television? I don't recognize you. Where's my water? <laughs> <laughs> Bring me a soda. <laughs> what the fuck is that? JR, that, JR that's your TV. Your TV's I know it's not. Gonna not. Bring you Why is so... that person in my home? You're in my home. Oh. This is not fair. Oh, um, poor Cena. <laughs> it's it's gonna it's coming it's coming soon to a mine near me. Um, I think the last thing that astonished me about the uh, um, about the uh, uh, Parks and Rec thing was that that a sitcom can end with a guy sitting on a cliff reading a Robert Burns yeah. <laughs> <laughs> effectively yeah. end that way, and that is entirely having to do with who this guy is and it's also kind of comical that he has to sit there and read that poem but it's yeah. like how do, you, how do you get away with that well they do and they that's exciting to me to be able to not only have the ability to set that up and make it happen but to you know just just to have the balls to do it you know what I mean I, I like that about the show yeah and they don't I mean like they slightly undercut it but just by the fact that like you know who Ron is and you like the fact that he's crying at it and he's like I don't I don't know what you thought I'd get out of that <laughs> yeah, yeah right, right. you've done that before um, summary uh, um, is uh, uh, I, I still think this is one of the best uh, sitcoms on television uh, Dan you seem to feel the same way it's one of your yeah favorites. I mean like they, it's weird you know like they sent them to London I think 
because like Chris Pratt is filming a movie, so they're like, we need to write Chris, Chris Pratt off the show for a little bit. Let's send these people to London and have him get a job there. So it wasn't necessarily like as strong as it is when they're just in Pawnee, but I, I love the show. And there was some funny stuff over there. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. And I will say, per this discussion, I'm definitely interested in getting to know the characters more so that I may enjoy it as much as we Just have. understand they're characters and not people who are in your home. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on, shall we? The crazy ones. Whoa. Or what I like to call Mork and Buffy. What yeah. do you think of that? What do you think of that? It's I right would, here in my I, notes. Mork and Buffy. <laughs> that show would go up. Lose. Like fifty percent in my estimation, yeah. if they just named it that. Mark and Buffy. Why didn't you do that? Because uh, it's only one crazy per. There's only it's a crazy one. I don't know who the ones so are. So far, so far. Uh, yeah, I, I will say that I I did not care for the show, but it's not the show I cared for the least. It's the number one comedy. It keeps saying it is. Really? I guess it got the yeah. best ratings out of any of them. I saw that commercial a lot watching football yesterday, mm-hmm. and I found it hard to believe. Uh, this I, is what... It's, well, it's Robin Williams. I mean, come on. Yeah. No first time on a, a as a regular on a sitcom since, since Mork and Mindy, like 32 years or something, and I think it's actually a good setup for him to, to do what he does with some... With, with at least a decent reason. Yeah, I mean, if you're making a vehicle... Um, for an actor, it's probably a, a good setup for Robin Williams, as you say. But it had the same problem. I had the same problem with it that I had with. I mean, we'll get to the Michael J. Fox show, which is also like a project built around an actor, which was as a comedy. I just didn't feel like there were a lot of jokes there. Like it was, it was, it was more pleasant. Like there was kind of a gentle sense of like there might be a joke around the corner, but no one actually showed up. Yeah, but it also like. Unlike the Michael J. Fox show, I felt like this defied logic so many times. Like, it just, everything that happened, I was like, that would not Explain. happen. That doesn't make sense. Examples. Uh, well, the fact that, <laughs> Thank like, you. Thank you for taking over right there. <laughs> that they would coerce Kelly Clarkson into doing this jingle and then record this jingle that they very clearly realized would not be usable, <laughs> but still, like, go through that whole process. And like there's sitcom shenanigans, Hallie. Yeah, but I feel like you know the it's, best it's, are it, somewhat believable. Yeah, it's interesting though that you can you can have like uh, um, what's actually happening doesn't necessarily have to be a believable thing that could happen to human beings. It right. just you just have to be able to get sucked into into that scene and, and into whatever believability there is, well, and, and it's a weird kind of thing. Part of it's like a problem with. Like the tone, the tone was erratic because I felt like a lot of the stuff set in the office, they were trying to lay down a semi believable office. But then cut to scene of uh, Robin Williams and uh, Bob Benson from Mad Men, like improvising you mean a song. Bob Benson from yeah. the Crazy Ones. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> improvising a song for Kelly Clarkson. Well, number one, number one comedy on television. Yeah, right. Have some respect. Go ahead. But they're improvising this song, which is like clearly like a joke song, like yeah. nothing that would ever work. And I gotta say, like that was the closest for me that the show came to making a joke. But it was also like so embarrassing and like off tone that I couldn't enjoy it because I was like, this is from another crazy world that's yeah. not the same as the crazy ones, which is what we're watching. On CBS, number one comedy. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's how I felt about the same, like the moment where Sarah Michelle Gellar has to sing in front of everyone to. Like, right. Oh yeah, I'm never back. crazy at all about those kind of things. Yeah, and yeah. it's like this is supposed to be funny because it's humiliating for her, but really, I just feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and it. we'll 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 get to yet more of that in uh, Super Fun Night. Um, but uh, I, but I kind of agree with the Clarkson thing. Although I think she had, and and I did not even have a separate section of funny lines, which tells me that I didn't really peg <laughs> right. a lot of them. But one thing that did make me laugh for some reason, I think it was just her deliver. Like Kelly Clarkson just had a good delivery on one line when they were trying to talk her into uh, um, into doing the. She said she wouldn't do a commercial. I can't remember right. if it was Rob Williams and Bob Benson or if it was Sarah Michelle Gellar, SMG. Um, <laughs> We were talking about an Apple commercial that featured Gandhi, Picasso, John Lennon, right? They were going right. over that. And Clarkson just kind of, as an aside, just says, did they get paid for that? <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Like, I actually thought that Kelly Clarkson made me laugh more yeah, than anyone I in there. 
I mean, she had a personality that she could play off of, too, was part of it, I think. But it was also, like, you got, like, I feel like that sort of, like, gave you even less of a sense of what the show was going to be, because it was so dominated with this, like, cameo the whole time, and she's not going to be part of it, you know? Right. I also think there's, the difference for me, it's true that, like, not everything has to be true to life or anything, and you suspend your disbelief for, like, kooky moments that that happened in sitcoms, and I enjoy that a lot. But, like, I felt that the problem with this was that there was, they weren't even committed to it. Like, that scene where the, the like, sexy, sexed up McDonald's jingle failed, they were, when Sarah Michelle Gellar was asking Bob Benson and Robin Williams about it, and they were like, why would you do this? And they're like, eh, I don't know, we tried it. And it just <laughs> seemed like you, like, you have to be behind this for me to believe in the joke at all. You know, it just seemed like such a yeah. I guess like, I guess they wanted to make it seem like it was like oh, this is a this is a ad agency full of like hustlers and con artists and grifters who are going to come up with a scheme. But like the only one who really I guess is kind of like that is Robin Williams uh, and his I guess to a lesser degree his sidekick. But then you've got Sarah Michelle Gellar there, whose only job is to be a scold. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it would be so a, sad for her because she's such. Cool. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I love Buffy. I mean, I, th- I think that this would have been a much funnier uh, show if, and this is, you know, you you saying this just makes me think about it. If it fully committed to being like, we're a sleazy ad agency and we're gonna do whatever it takes to to get your job, to to get your account, and we're gonna lie to you, and like that would be a funny show about a totally like sleazy ad agency. Whereas this is like. They might have started with that, and through the process, it just kind of gets, you know, whittled away a little bit, or, yeah. or some, you know, I mean, there's always going to be some bite that gets taken out of these, that out of these shows as they go through, and then gradually, if they if they hang on, they can they can get it back sometimes. So you never know. I um, I didn't mind the show. I watched the whole thing. Um, you know, <laughs> and Jr. Havlin says yeah. I watched the whole thing. I actually kind of liked. The cold open was cute, and they weren't trying to like do some big introduction thing. They were just doing this cute little thing with kids, and it was you know kind of fun. I, I could stumble on it, and you know check it out again and say, all right, let's let's take a look at another one. But I, I I'm, I'm not setting my DVR necessarily. It's it's kind of too full at the moment anyway. But um, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna watch it again. Although yeah, I I could see it being something that in a year. You know, if I happen upon it, like, I could see, like, oh, did this get any better? Yeah. Hallie, what are your final thoughts on uh, uh, the crazy ones? Mork and Buffy. Yeah, I mean, I do like Robin Williams, and I found that, like, they managed to, like, shoehorn that that vulnerable, you know, quirky yeah. guy yeah, they, into it, this. And I, and I like that that version of, of him. Well, it, which is sort of always the version of him. Uh, and... But I don't think I'll continue watching it. Yeah, but I do agree. I think it it's uh, uh, as far as setting up a you know relatively unorganic vehicle for Robin Williams, it was a good job. How awesome would it be if they actually made Mork and Buffy? Come on, that'd be an unstoppable one-two punch. Mork would distract and confuse the vampires with his crazy out-of-this-world antics and Buffy would swoop in for the easy kill. Tweet your storylines to at writersblogpod. Let's make this thing happen. Speaking of making things happen, if you are not listening to Dan McCoy's podcast, The Flophouse, then how are you not listening to Dan McCoy's podcast, The Flophouse? Also featuring the always hilarious Elliot Kalin, writer for The Daily Show, and one of my very first guests on Writer's Block. Check that episode out. It's an oldie, but a decent Quick thanks to David Klatt, Pete Miser, Greg Duncan, Andrew Lynn, Willie Orbison, and of course to all blockheads around the world. Except this one dude in Poland. He knows who he is. Let's do it. Let's jump back into episode 26, Pilot Season Reviews Part 2, with guests Hallie Haglin and Dan McCoy. Flophouse! Let us move on to one that you already mentioned, Dan, uh, the Michael J. Fox Show. Sorry, Michael J. Fox, created by Will Gluck and Sam Laybourne, with writers Annie Mebbin and Steve Bazalone, who are Writer's Block Podcast, episode 24, so we're not allowed to say anything bad about this show. 
Okay, well then, let's move on. Okay, let's go. Uh, Hallie. I wasn't crazy about it. I I was happy to see Michael J. Fox back in the game. I thought that there were some funny moments, like the the sort of like the over the top promo with like said to that that his boss, you know, when he's like, it's not gonna be a big deal. It's not gonna be be a big deal. And then there, there's the promo said to. Enrique Iglesias' hero. Wow. I, I thought that was funny. I did too. I might have liked it better if they... I don't think they really needed to set that up with him saying ahead of time, you're just going to do one of those things. Yeah. yeah. That didn't hurt it, didn't help it yeah. for me. I don't know. It was interesting because I was thinking about... And I'm excited to talk with you about Super Fun Night because I am feeling mm-hmm. like you didn't like it at all. I was thinking about how... Why is it, you know... One of the major criticisms criticisms I've heard about Super Fun Night is like this show is too much about her being overweight and all the gags that mm-hmm. you know she's fat and it makes everybody uncomfortable. But I don't understand. Like it feels like this is this is you know pretty parallel in the sense that like most of the jokes are about his Parkinson's. But but in somehow in some way in this it's empowering, whereas in Super Fun Night it's insulting to women and I don't really I don't really understand or people who are overweight I I guess I don't understand the sort of reaction like the different reactions to it it doesn't I don't think either is particularly offensive and I definitely think it's something that they will most likely move away from as the show continues yeah they definitely will that was that's pretty much the plan it's you know let them know what's up because you have to I mean, we're, you know, we're not going to be able to do something without mentioning this. So here's the setup, and then let's let's just do a show after that. You know, and maybe they're so focused on the mandate of like setting that stuff up that for me, like the problem was I just didn't laugh a lot at the like it was very pleasant to watch, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted it to be funnier. And like, there's so many people involved in it that I like. I mean, aside from Michael J. Fox, who I've loved, you know, since Family Ties, uh, you he got. <laughs> you got uh, Bunk uh, from The yeah. Wire, who I think was probably the like my favorite character in the show. Yeah, I found him the super, funniest. super good character, really strongly written. And uh, Wendell and Pierce he, is his real name, I think. Yeah, and he is a really good actor. Yeah. I, I, I really like that character. Yeah, Betsy Brandt from Breaking Bad, and she was great in the show. I, I don't know, like I wanted it to be, I guess, a little jokier, and I think that maybe they were hampered by, like, Everybody be cool. We all know that Michael J. Fox is sick. Be cool yeah, about it. Yeah, they might have been. I mean, they, like... you, I, I, my guess is that they were a little, you know, they, they, their hands were tied a little bit in yeah. that because you do have to address it. And Steve and Annie said as much. That it's sort of like, you know, we, we this is something that we had to do. And, right. And so you have to work your way around that. And, and maybe sometimes when you're kind of forced to address something a certain way, it's a little harder to come up with good organic jokes on it. But... That having been said, one, a couple of my favorite lines were when the cop comes in and says, can I get your autograph? My uncle's got Alzheimer's. And he says, it's actually Parkinson's. Either way. <laughs> Just the way it went down was really funny, and that's a good Parkinson's joke. And then when he's in the back of the van with his assistant, and it's shaking like crazy, and she's getting sick, and he says, uh, um, he says, for me, this is perfectly still. <laughs> I just thought that was a, that's a good, that's a good joke. And, and I think that the show will. I mean, I I'm curious to see more of it. I think it'll settle down like once they figure some of that stuff out. I mean, one thing that just like a writing thing that seemed difficult in this first episode was that they're introducing so many characters. There There's were so many lot. people in his family, and then there's the people at work too yeah. that I feel like it got short shrifted. And I think that sometimes in pilots. Like, you know, like there's such a mandate from, uh, I think, probably the people at the top. Like, we got to introduce everybody. Whereas I don't think that's true. I think that you can, if someone's important to the show, they can come in on the second episode and no one's going to be like, well, who's this guy? Yeah. You know? Yeah, the, um, I think that uh, Connor Romero, who plays the older brother, I thought he was really good. I liked his character and I liked him a lot. I don't know why they're doing the to the camera thing. Like I don't know exactly if they're going to continue doing that. Or if they were just doing it because of her assignment that she had, right? I don't know why it got grainy. Like it's on an old VHS. Uh, that's. Do you know what I'm saying? Did you get that? It's like they don't have an HD camera. I don't understand. <laughs> why is that grainy all of a sudden? I'm I'm not sure why they were doing that. Um, I mean, I kind of liked the. I didn't like the 
you know, direct-to-cam stuff. I, I, I thought it was sort of a clever way of, of making this the Parkinson's stuff a little more nuanced that the daughter totally exploits it initially. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm glad that they could have a character being an asshole about it. I just thought that, like, the video that she made afterwards that was supposed to be like, no, I'm going to be real about this, was, like, just as hokey and, and <laughs> as, the first, as the first one. Yeah, it kinda, I was like, was that the same video? <laughs> I can't remember if that was the same video or not. One thing that just kind of threw me, and again, it's it's the kind of retarded character, is his producer that he gets mm-hmm. a, that gets assigned to him when he comes back. Right. I think she, like she does a, she did a good job with it, and I, I wasn't like completely thrown off by the character herself or the actress, but I didn't... I don't understand why this guy's like the beloved yeah. anchor yeah. in why all of New York. Why did that? And they're they, they're dying to get him back on the air, and mm-hmm. they assign him like an idiot, <laughs> like a bumbling fool. <laughs> I just I get that that's going to increase some tension and stuff, but I thought that uh, another way they could have gone with that is to have sort of a um, a, a more self empowered person who is almost like kind of wants the job it could be a woman and she wants the job herself or she's she doesn't want to be a part of it but she's good at what she does so they have to stick together because of that you get the same tension but you don't but and but it makes more sense that they're that they're put together because them clashing could could make for i i think just as many moments as as this one i right. i because sometimes i wonder if you know when they're creating the characters they they you know did you did they think about this and then um, and then not do it, or you know, mm-hmm. how, how how did it work exactly? But we'll see where she goes. I'm sure she'll become the a best superstar. in the business. Yeah, yeah, you know, she's, you know, and she did show some uh, uh, capability, but uh, um, and certainly some moxie. Am I wrong about that? Uh-huh. Yeah, spunk as well. Yeah, yeah moxie and spunk. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue watching it in spunk. in large part because Annie and Steve, I like them a lot, and yeah. they're working on the show, and I I do that a lot, and. You got your Michael J. Fox, you can't go wrong. Your Jose sure. Feliciano, hard to go wrong. <laughs> I, I'm going to check in again. I, right now, I feel like there's two shows there. There's like a, a family show and a workplace show. And I feel like they're probably going to duke it out and see which one actually emerges yeah. triumphant. I think they're both interesting setups, though, the, for the family and for the, uh, um, uh, for, the, for the workplace. And now on to uh, one of your other favorites and what I... Definitely, currently, do not miss is Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Um, created by Lauren Bouchard, um, and featuring TDS alum Kristen Schaal, who fucking kills it. What a great character! She's so funny. It's yeah. so great. And the fun thing is, to you know, I mean, she's got that. She she's got her voice, but I love that she's that that Kristen who's like the most gentle person you can ever imagine yeah. plays the most aggressive character on yeah. television. Yeah, that's what I was, she's so sweet. Like if you if you meet her, if you are blessed to meet Kristen Shaw in real life, she will charm you immediately oh, and is God. immediately like the most genuine, like concerned person about like she seems one hundred percent focused on what you're saying to her at that time. And she's so nice, and Louise is like a sociopath. Yeah, completely, and she kills it all the but time. But I think that that it's helps so because, like, Christian, like, natural sweetness comes through and makes that character yeah, right. likable. Even right, right, right. She's right, a right. Yeah. You're on her side, <laughs> and all she's ever trying to do is specifically fuck things up. Um, and like I said, also Scott Jacobson, who's a, 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 a executive story editor over there, and Writer's Block episode uh, uh, 20, another really good one. Hallie, what do you think of Osbergers? Do you watch it on a regular basis? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was one of the ones I was really looking forward to watching and and was satisfied with, with what I saw. I thought, um, yeah, I was pleased with it. I don't know. I think, I think this one suffered a little bit from the like the same like Parks and Recreation thing I was talking about where like they always want to do kind of an event at the beginning of I don't know whether this was like an you event you mean taking thing. them out of their element like, like taking them out of the element, they, element a little bit and I think that the funnier episodes are ones where they're in the restaurant um, and it's somehow you know like, like that town that they're starting to build and the way that the Simpsons built Springfield but it's still really funny it was still a really funny episode yeah it was sort of well because of that there was only them and those other two yeah. characters which 
was it? Yeah, it was a little weird to think about that. You don't have the other regular characters that that hang out at, at the um, at the burger joint and stuff. But uh, um, each one of the five main characters is so good. It's an it's another example of when you have creative, like distinctive, interesting, you know, realistic as crazy as they are, realistic characters that work so well off of each other, and yeah. you know them that like. But but um, but what Bob's Burgers has. You know, if Bob's Burgers is equivalent to like Parks and Rec, um, in uh, uh, in that respect, I guess what they have that Parks and Rec doesn't have quite as much is just really hardcore jokes. Yeah, yeah. That Parks and Rec that's just not their style over there, and it doesn't need to be. But Bob's Burgers has just jokes, and yeah. they're super super funny. Any lines you guys liked? Uh, I wrote down, and maybe this is not an example I wrote, of a I wrote hardcore, down too many. <laughs> this is this might not be an example of a hardcore joke joke. But it's so funny the way John Benjamin uh, delivers it, which is, looks like the squirrels have become the stupid, <laughs> which is just nonsense. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it made me laugh. But there, but there was good reason for it to happen, though. Um, I liked uh, uh, <clears throat> Linda borrowing provisions from the survivalists, and uh, um, and they're just kind of going through, and they just start kind of grabbing everything, and then she says, uh, uh, um, "And uh, can I have some of this wine? Wine helps <laughs> me drink." I had written that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you? What else did you have, Alan? Yeah, I had wine helps me drink. Yeah. I had uh, the uh, just the Archibald Wang, the mountain that was called Archibald Wang. Right. That's funny. <laughs> Look at that Wang. <laughs> um, the uh, the. I think the nature boiner, nature boner, boing. I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wang jokes. Yeah, we yeah, know where Alex's coming from. Uh, give her know, the give her the wang jokes. Drawn to the wang jokes. <laughs> jokes. <laughs> dot 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 jokes. And a, a lot of them were also just just again like the characters make them that much funnier, but they're funny lines anyway. But one where like on paper it's nothing, but in character I just I watched it a couple of times, it made me laugh so hard. Was they're going down the river, they get Bob and Linda get caught up in the river and they crawl out desperately onto the banks of the river. They're completely spent and and um and Linda says uh Linda says, what the hell was that river's problem? <laughs> and then looks back at the river and says, stupid river. <laughs> and it just was so funny. And then one more was when at the end, because Tina is a thunder girl, which is like a Girl Scout. And she gives it up and throws away her sash um, at one point because she doesn't believe in them anymore. And at the end, Gene gives it back to her, you know, mm-hmm. and because uh, he, he saved it. <clears throat> and so Tina says, uh, she says, my sash, you knew I was always a Thunder Girl at heart. And Gene says, no. And he says it really aggressive like that. I was like, no, this is satin, woman. You don't just throw away satin. <laughs> <laughs> like a seven-year-old boy. So funny. Yeah, there's so many, like, there, I, there's so many interesting, like, just little, like, twists on the characters. I was going to say that one thing I really love about Bob is that he's frequently like exasperated by his family yeah and in a normal sitcom that would just be it but like in Bob's Burgers he's exasperated by them but he also finds them really amusing <laughs> like you can tell like you really get a sense of the affection like he'll like be like arguing with them and then he'll just start laughing at, at how absurd they are now, and I, I find that really appealing that's a really interesting thing to notice I <clears throat> am a huge fan of this show and will always, I, I will not miss an episode. I will always watch the show. I think it's fantastic. I love it. I think they do an amazing job over there. I'm, I'm proud to be, I'm proud to own a television. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm proud to have eyes to watch. Yeah, that's right. If, if this was, if this gets canceled, I'm, I'm poking your eyes out. Because I don't sure. want you to see. Um, this one's going this is kind of fun. Eastbound and Down, which I had never seen before. You guys? Uh, I had watched it all. But I, I... Sorry. You've watched no, 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 them all? I watched, I watched all of them. Oh, great. Before this. Oh, yeah. I hadn't watched it a lot. I've seen a few episodes, but I, I wasn't coming to it knowing where we left off last season. So, Dan, then, yeah. uh, what do you think of this as an episode? Uh, it seemed like, uh, you know, they're really, it's a starting over thing, so it's almost yeah. like a fresh thing. Well, that's what I was going to say, just based off of the fact that I have watched the previous three seasons, like, or, is this three seasons or previous four? I don't know, but... Like, they had come to sort of a natural end point at the end of last season where he, 
uh, renounced his dreams of of getting back into baseball, like faked his own death, yeah, went right. back to his uh, old girlfriend, and like they thought that was going to be the last season, or at least they kept saying that was going to be the last season. And they, I don't know whether like HBO just drove the money truck up, or whether they decided, yeah, well, we got more. Oh, did they really think that was going to be? Yeah, the last they, the, that like that's what they kept saying. And I guess my main problem with this episode was just that I wasn't sure that it had a reason to keep going. Um, that being said, I think it's a really funny show. Yeah, super funny. I show. enjoyed it, he, and it's uh, to, for me, it's all him. Like yeah. he's amazing. I feel like this was the one that Danny McBride. That is. Yeah, I feel like of all the shows that we watched, this was the one where I actually laughed out loud the most. <laughs> there were a couple of funny lines. Yeah, I mean, just ever like the part where he's like. It's not nice to call people faggots, faggot. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah. it's, just like it's not the the setup of like it's not nice to do something paired with like the faggot was just such a with his nice his humor. I, I I made a note that his humor reminds me of uh, um, of Louis C.K. Particularly when he's like ragging on his kids. You know, he's like he's such a dick, but in a realistic way. It's like you know, like Louis has this whole long bit about how his kids, his 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 seven year old girl is a bitch. She, or she's an asshole. Her kids are his kids are assholes. Yeah. But then he gives a good reason for you. Yeah, his kid is kind of an asshole. You know? <laughs> and this guy is able to do that same thing, where you're saying something that seems like you should not be able to say it and get away with it and have it be funny. But it, it, he makes it funny. He finds those moments, and that's a, um, uh, in the one that made me think about it when when he was in this episode, he rags on his son. Who, who thinks he runs the house like he likes his daughter but he's and right in front of his son he's saying like you know little fucker thinks he runs the goddamn house you know or whatever <laughs> it is but it's just a really funny moment for this guy it works for him you know yeah. but I thought that was funny in a way that like it, whereas with Louis C.K. you're like oh yeah that that's true like that's not how I would have gone about saying it but I, but I I relate to that versus like what makes it so funny with Danny McBride is that it's so distorted. Like the kid's not really doing anything, and he's yeah, like, right. he's always challenging my authority. Like, does respect me? And it's like he's it's not all about doing him, anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. One thing I did like about like this is going back to how like the char- like knowing a character pays off in dividends. It's like the beginning of this episode. I thought it was really funny knowing how like big an asshole and how crazy he'd been in previous seasons. Like. Trying like trying to see him really struggle to actually be like an upstanding like suburban dad when the they're they're challenging to race at the beginning and yeah, I can't and I, remember I, the lines but he's just like like why would I I don't you know like that's an irresponsible thing that I don't well he did and he does that with it when he's when he's saying like uh, nope but don't drink anymore clean clean I love my family my family man I got my daughter and her son that's what's important to me now yeah and you just know the whole time he's saying like I don't believe a word I'm saying what yeah. you know what I mean it's like. Yeah. Uh, but and I kind of I knew the character, so I knew that too, and I caught that not as much as somebody would have who would have watched the whole time, but I definitely knew what was going on there. But he's so yeah, he's so great at desperately playing like there's there's a there's a wild animal inside him that he's just yeah. basically barely holding back. Yeah, and clearly they set up that like you know you're gonna get back the guy that you've been watching the whole time. Yeah. So you know hang it, you know you don't even have to hang in there. You're he's already back. Um, I uh, um was Guy Young a regular character in there? He's the Which he's the other sports guy that had the show in oh, the AIDS Ken Foundation. Marino? Yeah. Uh, no, that's a new new guy. I thought his AIDS speech was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you knew he was a dick, you know, and that's another thing that could be overplayed, and he almost overplayed it. But I thought that he was really funny in there, and he's and especially at the beginning. I mean, where he says his line is, "You're on a team and you're playing AIDS. Who's who's there in that other dugout? It's AIDS, a team of AIDS, all skinny with lesions." <laughs> Wait a minute, he's reading a script that he wrote. He's reading it. <laughs> Why would you throw that in there? It's so terrible. Uh, the fact that that is a new character just it just occurred to me that that's also one thing that's like great about doing a sitcom on HBO is they can kind of like between seasons burn the show down a little bit and be like, all right, well this new season we're gonna have a totally new major character like have this. Like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, know. it worked for me, and I thought I yeah. like I said I thought it was like a guy who'd been around the whole time, and and uh, um, and just quick on the on the funny line since it came right after that was uh, um, when 
you know, the, the guy finishes his speech and he hooks up with Kenny at the end of it who decided to come to this thing and Kenny says to him, uh, uh, you're a good fit for AIDS. I'm happy for you. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's, he's being genuine. And yeah. because you know, because you know that character and I already kind of knew the character well enough to know that like that is that guy being genuine. Yeah. And it's kind of a hilarious thing. Or, you know, it's like the way you would talk to your buddies playing poker or something like that. But he's not fucking with him. He's being serious. It's funny. Um, Hallie, what did you think of the show? I liked it. I thought the moment where, for some reason, it was so funny to me. The moment where, like, his boss is talking to him about, like, did you know who smashed the donuts? And yeah. the fact that he doesn't just do that, but he keeps saying, like, I broke off a piece. <laughs> like, what? like, that's such an unnecessary detail to throw in to that line. But I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I thought it was really funny. Uh, I would definitely return to it. Yeah, and I was thinking of, like, you know, it came to such a nice ending point. I was thinking about not watching the season, but I think I probably will keep watching. Well, I was, I, you know, I, this, is, this is a show that um, is high on my list, if not one of the, if not, like, you know, top, three at the very least um, or the very most that I'm going to go back and watch them all and uh, you know I, I, I don't have a lot of time set aside for that kind of thing but I'm going to do it with this because I, I one of the things I love about this is that difference between HBO and, and, and prime time and it's just like that difference is so stark to me and it's so refreshing to be able to watch something that's not kind of struggling to be as edgy as they can while remaining family fair and I understand that that what they're what they're in but right to, to not have to do that freeze you up to yeah. do some some genuinely funny stuff and but also funny <clears> like <throat> not just being like edgy for the sake of it like being edgy for actual comedy yeah. i would say my only problem is that he's like almost too much of an asshole and if if, if you know how how do you maintain being that much of an asshole without becoming too much of one or or like exploiting it too much you know and yeah. uh, um, I guess they have. Everybody likes the show, and so I'm I'm really interested in watching the whole thing. And I I don't really think that there's such a danger in like being too much of an asshole. You know, it's like why Always Sunny in Philadelphia has been so funny. Like all of those people are total assholes, but somehow. But there's something. But there's something likable or believable underneath it that yeah. makes it that makes it that makes it work. Like I think like the first season of The Office suffered a little bit from Steve having to, you know Carell having to be a little. It was a little too much of an asshole, and they hadn't established that vulnerability that that Ricky Gervais showed in the original Office, and and so they they actually Wilmore said this that they toned him down after the right. after the first season because they had they had to make a change. It wasn't working for Steve, and so they had they had to like pull back on that a little bit because it just didn't work. And it is interesting that like Danny McBride like plays such an incredible asshole, but like there is something vulnerable about him that makes yeah. you like him. Yeah, but, and, the big but, the, but the beauty is that they set that up right away with the with the with the drag race. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. they set that up right away, and then you get the payoff at the end. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, you could tell the guy was kind of eating shit, so it makes him vulnerable and it makes him kind of beaten down when he has to watch his wife get the award and all that yeah. stuff. And they kind of just you know you, you know why he wants to be an asshole again. Sticking with HBO uh, and sticking with the uh, Office. Uh, well, that's, uh, we were just talking about the Office, but that was not Office related. The last show, uh, Hello Ladies, created by Stephen Merchant, uh, Lee Eisenberg, Gene Stepnitsky, starring Stephen Merchant and Nate Torrance, who plays a very capable semi-retarded guy. <laughs> um, gawkish, socially awkward Englishman searches Los Angeles for the woman of his dreams with a with the non-assistance of his even more socially awkward best friend uh none of us have seen this show before it's a brand new show mm-hmm. uh we all know who Stephen merchant is we've uh, probably all enjoyed work he's done in the past mm-hmm. um i like him as an actor as well uh hallie what'd you think i really like him uh, i agree with I where you're going really excited <laughs> to see this but i uh i wasn't crazy about it I, I i was sort of disappointed and maybe it'll evolve but i kind of felt like Stephen Merchant has his own character, and I felt like in this he was like doing Ricky Gervais much more than he was doing Stephen Merchant. Like he, like he was jerky in the same way, and none of the jokes landed that well for me. I mean, I just, I, I was disappointed. Yeah, like he, he all of a sudden is playing the Gervais role instead yeah, of his exactly. role, and it was a little weird. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've liked Steve, when, you know, I mean, we all liked The Office, obviously, but Steve Merchant wasn't in as an actor, but then when, uh... He was, he was, wasn't he, uh, what's his name's friend for a while? Did he appear? I think he appeared in it, yeah. He appeared Yeah, Yeah, he did. But I remember, like, taking notice of him when extras came around, Mm -hmm. and, like, aside from, you know, all the, like, the great, like... You know, celebrity cameos and extras, which were usually the funniest part. Uh, the thing that I found funniest as a regular part of the show was was him as the agent. Yeah. Uh, oh no, I thought yeah, I thought he was thought great. It was amazing. Yeah, it was really fitting, and and he did play kind. Of, well, he played uh, just a Doomkoff in that in that mm-hmm. kind of you know, like he wasn't he wasn't really an asshole. He was just he, dim. he was yeah, come he's a dimwit. Um, here's what I'll give it: it had the best theme song. <laughs> I no, I agree. That, like there was like the music that they used, like yeah. sort of like the laid back vibe of the whole thing. Yeah, I liked. I, I liked. I liked the look of it. I liked the. I liked the feel of it. Yeah, the, liked... the music was good throughout. The theme song was by far the best. And then, um, but I, I, I totally agree with you, Hallie. I, I, I'm gonna watch it again because of him, and I think that it, he could be good. But there was just I, I wasn't. I wasn't crazy about it. And I, I actually I couldn't really peg why entirely. I kind of like it had what frustrates me about network shows but it wasn't a network show so I didn't think it had to be confined to this like stuff that I found so funny is just it's so before with him is he's so oddball and and so many things in this felt really predictable which I expect from a network sitcom and don't expect from someone who's not generally like that and when they're on HBO and they have room to not be like that I like the laid back kind of like you know, fun antagonistic relationship he had with his roommate, which they're clearly yeah, setting no, up to be yeah, like a romantic yeah. foil for him. I thought that that was probably and the strongest. Did, yeah, and that actually the, does show like a like like a different a different side of him. He acts yeah. differently around her. Yeah, and um, I, and like yeah, that that could work. There kind of wasn't enough of it. It was too. It was at the end when that really hit me. You know, I think my problem is that what his character is is doing is too artificially over the top for kind of comedic purposes or something it's like nobody would ever say that or act like that or do that thing i i I, and and it's not like you can't ever get away with that so there's just some sort of intangible thing or like intangible for me that made that not work. That made it be like I'm. I, I can't let him get away with that yeah. for some reason. I'm. I'm not buying it. I'm it not might be related it. to the, like the Kristen thing we're talking about, where like, in the case of like her sweetness leavening like a crazy like, yeah, right. character, like he's doing a thing where like it's not working to play against him. So like he's playing against his innate likability yeah. too much. Uh-huh. And it, and it just feels sort of yeah. And I had unpleasant. I had that. I had that I like the scenes between him and the and the, and the tenant. Uh, the the character's name is Jessica, at least. And one the one line I really liked was from his friend, his best friend, his kind of goofball, totally socially awkward friend, um, chubby you know guy. His wife has just left him, and he's telling him you know they're out in the hills. This is L.A. You can go out and have your you know you you can you should be out having sex with movie stars, and. The example that his friend immediately brings up is Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> I loved that choice. It's so telling of like of this guy. It's like yeah, the woman in Alien. That's who I'd fuck of all the Hollywood movie stars right now. And a and a, a beautiful older woman. Yeah. Still, yeah, still yeah, looks yeah. radiant. Let's uh, uh, let's be clear. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you got your choice, I think. Like, but that's why it works. That's, yeah. that's in addition why it works. It's like, yeah, it's totally believable. <laughs> but it's a ridiculous line. <laughs> but weird, it's totally believable. It's a weird that's, choice. Yeah, but the, yeah, it's, but it's a just a weird one. choice. But it's that sort of semi believability that yeah. like makes it that that makes it good. Those moments are clearly not that easy to find. So when you do or when you feel that. That to me is a is, is a really impressive thing, and it says like you're you're taking your time to look for that moment rather than just saying Jessica Simpson or whatever. I don't know. Not I don't know right. why I said Jessica Simpson. You know. But, <laughs> That's an interesting yeah. choice. I, I saw her in a commercial. <laughs> you woke already. up from a coma, <laughs> a five year coma, recently. Just, yeah, we're, we're we're talking about the Dukes of Hazard remake, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Um, 
I'm I'm gonna watch again in in the in the um because I'm sure there's gonna be some funny moments and uh, but I don't know how many of them that I'll watch before I stop watching if if uh, if it doesn't get a little more um, yeah uh, you know uh, uh, tasty for me. I have faith in him, so I want yeah, to keep right. watching. But yeah. it wasn't like my favorite pilot, certainly. Yeah, I'll, I I'm I'll try it again. Um, super fun night. <clears throat> it's about. Uh, Three geeky oddball best friends have a ritual of having a super fun, uh, having super fun every Friday night. This is a, this it comes on Wednesday night, but a wrench gets thrown in the works when one of them, Kimberly Boubier, is that supposed to be funny? Do you think? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, that's that was that bothered okay. me. That bothered me that sure. her name was Boubier and that they said it several times. I could see that. Rebel Wilson starts getting an actual like just, just Boubier. <laughs> Really? Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know why that bothered me. It's like, boob, come on. Are you, is that? Okay. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, Rebel Wilson, very, very funny in uh, uh, Bridesmaids. I did not see Pitch uh, Perfect. Um, so I can attest to Pitch yeah. Perfect being a very enjoyable film. Yeah. Perfect, enjoyable in it. Oh, yes. there you go. Yeah, there you go. Hallie and I were talking about how she's not using her normal accent. Yeah. She's Australian. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it throws you off. And I think that maybe there's some of that. If if she feels a little like uncertain, maybe it's because she's not acting in her normal voice. I don't know. Yeah, that threw me off a little bit. So I get the impression from what you've said. Yeah. That you did not care for this. I I, I didn't mind it that much, but uh, but I had a um, I, I had. Too many pretty big problems with it, and the one was that was her her supposed foil. Just you know, the, the, the other, like the, other the, yeah, the, 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 the rival, the new woman that comes in. Yeah, um, I I understand the 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 character. I don't like the way they're doing it, and I'm, I I I I didn't like the way the the actress did most of the most of the scenes and like the over the top singing in the in their. Conference. I thought that was funny. I actually liked really her you did. Over I the just top singing. oh god, I, not, I, not, I thought it was so unfunny. I thought it was so funny because I feel like that's so watching someone who, and granted, she was a good singer, but I feel like that was such. Just like watching someone try to be really sexed up and being uncomfortable with it, I thought that that was it. I mean, it was fun. We're talking about her foil singing that song yeah. and trying to. But there, there were a couple of things that I thought was wrong with it. First of all, I just thought it was just way too much. It was too odd. But why is she going to that length with this guy she just met? And it's essentially her boss, no? On top of that. And it's just. Maybe there was something in the. Maybe there was something in the first episode that set that up a little more. You know, that's a possibility. But to me, that kind of came a little too out of the blue. I mean, I think that that foil character, I don't know how important she'll be like in the show going forward. I have no sense of that. That's Maybe that's a problem. If I have no sense whether she's like a regular character or whether she's basically just around for like this thing. But it seemed like, I guess the motivation they were giving her was just that she like to win like she wanted like if someone else had something she wanted it and she was just like one of those people in that way like they, well, I don't they, think, yeah i don't think she's i don't know if she'll continue to be a character but i don't think that she in particular is is important to this show mm -hmm. i think that yeah it, it sort you know it was pretty much summed up at the end by you know when he's going to He's been invited over for, for consolation pizza, and she says, "Oh, can I go?" And he says, yeah, right. "Sorry, you know, uh, winners don't get consolation pizza or something like that." Yeah. And it's like you get what the show is. I mean, not that you needed that in particular to get to that point, but like, it's you know, the losers are the winners. The losers are triumphant. I mean, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the like the sort of sweet wackiness about the show. I get. I think that probably what they're trying to do eventually is to just be a show where like. Oh, it's fun to hang out with these friends. These friends are, you know, have a great relationship with each other, and they're funny, and we get to hang out with them in the way that, like, New Girl is that kind of show, I think, where it's just like, oh, these crazy friends are in a room, in, like, in an apartment together, and we spend a little time with them every week, you know, rather than, like, a super heavily plotted show. Here's what I liked about it, that there were a few really funny lines in it, and I liked Lauren Ash, who plays her friend Marika. That yeah. she's a, I thought she was great, but unfortunately, she was great because she was doing Melissa McCarthy's character in Bridesmaids, almost to a T to me. Like it was the same character, 
but she does it really well. I thought at first that that, that her character was going to have like be that way but be a little more self-conscious and it turns out no she was also like when she said to the guy like I know you want me sexually but get it out of your head because that's your woman that kind of thing <laughs> that it was all like very Melissa McCarthy and, and bridesmaids and but she did so well and she had one of the one of the great lines which again on paper is nothing but she just it made me laugh so hard and I don't really entirely know why but she's at the bar and she's the, the waitress comes up and she's getting ready to order. She says, I'll have an orange soda. And the waitress says, we don't have orange soda. Wow. Come back to me then. <laughs> and that just fucking killed me. <laughs> but it was so funny. And it, but it was the stain that they wouldn't have orange soda. Yeah, but it just... It, it, it's a, um, it's, it just, she had no second, she had no backup. No, 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 I'm going to have to think about this. <laughs> this I'm, was the linchpin of my night. And she's just, she's shocked they don't have it, and because you don't, I'm really going to have to put some thought into this for my backup. Is not, this is not oh, something I've ever had to, soda. I've never had to go, I've never had to go here. It's, that's a great, funny line, and it, and it's really great with that character as well. And then, uh, um. Uh, I have a joke here that, I mean, this is a pretty standard joke, honestly, looking at it, but something about the way Rebel Wilson said it made me laugh, which was, let me, like, when they're, like, setting up the, that they're all going to this cabaret bar, uh, she says to her boss, let me email you the address and a photo of me from five years ago when I was at my physical peak. Yeah. But I, I think that there's something about this show that I enjoyed in the sweetness of it. I, I'm, apparently I like sweetness, which is news to me, but the fact that, like, this is a show about, like, these, like, misfit characters... But I feel like a lot of times when a show does that, they're also kind of aggrieved and, like, mad at the world in some way. Whereas Rebel Wilson's main character is so, like, blithely, like, happy about everything yeah. that it really kind of was enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And, and like, the moments of shame for her aren't, like, shameful at all. I mean, I know they played this a million times on all the the, the previews for the show... But the moment where, like, her skirt gets caught in the elevator and it gets ripped off and, and she's, yeah. someone comes up The whole and, spinning around is yeah. a little yeah. too unrealistic for me. But. but when she was just like, this is a really good smoothie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she's not embarrassed. Like, it's an embarrassing moment, but the fact that, like, there's not really any, like, shame in it at all, that that's not what you're feeling. You're she owns doing. it as much as she can, even though she's got the embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't even feel that there's any embarrassment. That's what I, like... I, I don't know. I love her, and I thought this was... I, I have hopes, high hopes for this. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of a mess in a way, but I also have big high hopes for it because yeah. I laughed a lot at it. Yeah, I, I, I would say I don't necessarily have high hopes for it. I'm probably not going to watch it again. In fact, in fact, you know, I mean, if it came on, I might watch it for a little while because I do like her, and I really love that other character, even though I think it's a very similar to this character that already exists, mm -hmm. but I think she does an amazing job with it. Um... But I, I, I can't stress enough, I am not the person that they are trying to get to watch right. this show. Yeah. So, like, they don't give a shit that, <laughs> that J.R. Havlin is not really into their show. That's not the crowd they were going for. So, you know, there's and there's a lot of that out there. That's like, if I, I don't think a show is good, the show isn't trying to be good for me. Um, <clears throat> Hallie Hagman, Dan McCoy, the host of The Flop House. Uh, definitely listen to the flop house. Uh, we're gonna go. Thank you very much, you guys, uh, uh, for coming. Uh, say goodnight, you guys. Goodnight, you guys. Good night, you guys.